0: Hello, this is Isaiah, Associate Pastor at Christ the King. Welcome to the third and final week of our series on being led by the Spirit. Today, we're going to introduce the upcoming season of Advent and talk about the work of the Holy Spirit and how those two things um, intersect. So first, let's start with the season of Advent. So Advent, the word actually just coming from a Latin word, which simply means coming and The first part of this is probably more intuitive. As we prepare for the Christmas season, we're thinking about the incarnation, God coming in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. So that is part of Advent. It's the coming of God in Christ in the incarnation. But there's not the only part of Advent. There's the second part, which is this focus on the the coming kingdom of God when Jesus comes to rule and reign in fullness and God sets the world to rights. So that's the second piece, but there's actually an additional third piece of Advent and Advent also has to do with the present and the present has everything to do with the first coming and with the second coming of Jesus. And so theologians like to talk about this as the time between the times the, the time of God's coming in Christ and in the incarnation, the baby in the manger and the time of God's coming to set the world to rights and Jesus's return. And this is the time that Christians occupy. So in some sense we actually are always an advent people because we live in the tension between what we could talk about as the now and not yet of the kingdom of God it's now because Jesus has come in the flesh and he has inaugurated the kingdom, which is a fancy way of saying he's embodied and demonstrated and initiated the kingdom. It has already come in his person and by his spirit as present. It is also awaiting its fullness and its consummation. So the kingdom will come in a, in a way that will be, where no one could ignore it, where it is the fullness of what we experience, where our hopes for a better and just world are finally seen and fulfilled. So practically the church takes the next four Sundays leading up to Christmas, which is not just a day, but a season in the church calendar. And we take time to wait and to live into the tension, recognizing that God has come in Christ And is with us in solidarity and God will come again in Christ um, to see things finally set to right. And in the meantime, we live in these time between the times, uh, the now and not yet of the kingdom of God. And we see some of the brokenness of the world, some of the hardship of the world in which we wait God's coming. And we also see the glimmers and glimpses of God's light already breaking through. And so how do we live in that tension? How do we live in the time between the times? That's what Advent is all about. And this is a perfect time to actually talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. I really love that we're ending this month on being led by the Spirit as we kind of segue into the Advent season. Because the Advent season is a time where the Holy Spirit's work becomes very crucial and important and even highlighted as we'll see kind of in our text today. So if you have a Bible or you want to read along, we're going to be looking at a passage from Romans eight verses 22 through 26. And um, we'll start there and then we'll work through a couple of reflections on that. And before finally ending with an invitation to prayer and a way to kind of live into this Advent season. So Romans 8 verses 22 through 26. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all who hopes for what they already have but if we hope for what we do not yet have we wait for it patiently in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for god's people in accordance with the will of god one of the first things that we see in this passage is that creation is groaning and this might be kind of a strange way to think about the creation. But if we think about creation, not just in the sense of the natural world, but in all of the created order, all the things we see in our world, maybe the description of groaning is apt. We think about um, Israel and Gaza right now, when we think about, school shootings in our own nation. When we think about the political turmoil that has torn apart, so many families and has left us in a very polarized position as a country, we could think about it as like a laboring or a groaning um, under the weight of so much sin and, and even death. And the creation is not the only thing that's groaning. We ourselves, of course, are part of this creation. And Romans notes this by saying that we, even us who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. And that's the hope that we look forward to ultimately, like all of us are dying a little bit every day as the saying goes, but we who are in Christ have a hope in the resurrection. And this resurrection isn't just about our bodies, but it's actually about God's uh, work in the world where he resurrects and renews and restores all that has been lost and stolen through sin and death and the work of the adversary. And so we live in a creation that's groaning. We can see the effects of it all around us. We as part of that creation are groaning. But that's not the only groaning that's going on in this passage. Paul writes in the same way, when the spirit helps us in our weakness, as we're like waiting for this redemption, he says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes through us w- for us through wordless groans and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I don't know if you ever feel like this but for myself when i look at the groaning world and even the groaning in my own life the sin that i um, am confronted with or the pain that i experience as like someone who's alive like a human being in this world sometimes it feels like i don't even know what to pray i feel at a loss um, even sometimes um, thinking about the church um, writ large in our country of which I love so much. And if I am a, a child of that community, but also it has brought so much um, pain in my own life and, and maybe more importantly to people that I love. And how do I reconcile that? How do I even begin to pray? Like, how should I even try to engage God with that? And a lot of times it feels like I just don't know how. And that's why I love this passage because the work of the holy spirit here for those of us who live in the time between the times who live in advent time which is which is all of us it says that the spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know what to pray we don't have the words and we don't know what we should even should pray for what is the thing to pray for what is the right thing to pray for And it's in those times it's those very times that the spirit himself intercedes for us we have this promise that the spirit will come and intercede through Uh, for us and through wordless groans. And so it's not just that the creation is groaning. It's not just that we're groaning as we feel the weight of sin and death around us and even in our own lives. But it's actually that the spirit groans. And there is something um, very powerful and redemptive about that kind of prayer. Um, And the spirit knows what to pray. And the spirit knows how to pray the will of God which is for the kingdom to come. It's what Jesus taught his disciples to pray that, you know, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we're praying for. We're praying for the new heavens and the new earth. And that's what Advent is about. It's not just about Jesus coming in his person, but Jesus bringing his rule and reign on the earth, um, to setting things to rights. There's a story um, from the founders of the Salvation Army if uh, maybe if you're like me, you've only heard about the Salvation Army because of the people wearing ridiculous Santa suits and ringing bells outside different stores during Christmas time. Um, That was mainly all I knew about the Salvation Army, but I have a few friends that actually have worked with the Salvation Army and um, they have a pretty radical history and particularly around like um, uh, a very Christian centered vision. Um, This would have been like in the end of the 19th century, late 1800s, where there was, uh, of course, a rapidly industrializing societies and both in in the UK and in the US and in the UK, Um, there was just a lot of um, unjust and unfair working conditions. And of course, the poor, um, they took the brunt of these situations that were really turning people kind of into machines and treating them um, less than dignified image bearers. And so um, the founders of the Salvation Army, and William and Catherine Booth, um, took issue with that because of their faith. And so they began to challenge these unjust um, systems and began to even create their own factories that would treat um, workers fairly and pay them fairly. And that some of the horrendous conditions of like toxic chemicals, they began to actually like start their own processes and and push some of these other, um, manufacturers out of business. And and then when they were successful in doing that and having everyone change, either change their wages to be competitive and change their processes so that they wouldn't be using toxic chemicals in their manufacturing of matches, for example, then, um, then they closed shop cause they weren't in it for the money they were in it to see, um, some of God's justice come in the world. And so there's a story from, um, William and Catherine where, um, they had different workers in different cities and they had two women, um, Mary and Kate Morse or, um, Mary uh, Kate and Mary Jackson, are their names, uh, these two women that are working in these really, um, squalid conditions, working in these really intense, um, factory high poverty, uh, towns, and they're not seeing much of God's kingdom coming and they're feeling pretty discouraged and they're working pretty hard. And they've been there, I think a couple of years And so they write to William Booth because he's kind of the one who's been helped, you know, runs the mission agency. And uh, they say, will you move us to another station? We're so tired. We're so disheartened. We've tried everything we've been taught to do. Please just move us to another location. And William Booth sends a telegram, right? This is like late 1800s. He sends a telegram with two words, try tears. And it's something that they took to heart and began to see after this a shift, like in their own kind of impact and the people that they were working with and the solidarity that they had with them. And this story came to mind today as I was reading this passage, because, um, the work of the Holy spirit, um, the groaning that it's beyond words, I think often looks like tears. I think often that's the the one thing that we don't really know how, to direct towards God. Um, Sometimes we do experience tears, but we don't often connect that with something that could be conceived of as prayer. And so this is an invitation, this passage for us to try tears. And I don't know what the situations are for you. I don't know what it is that you're looking at in, in your life or maybe in the world that just feels hopeless. That just feels like, how could we ever get past this? How could this ever get better? Um, but there's an invitation, I believe, for us from the Holy Spirit, for those of us living in the Advent time, in the time between the times where we're wanting to see God's kingdom come, and yet we haven't seen it in its fullness. And we have this part to play. It's it's not a static thing. It's a dynamic thing. There's an invitation from the Spirit to participate with God's work in God's world and in our lives. And I wonder if this word for some of us would be... Um, maybe like something new to enter into our prayer life that would would shift something for us so I just want to pray for us right now wherever you're at listening to this God we believe that you are good sometimes it's hard for us to imagine that you are but we trust that you are we trust that you've come in Jesus we trust that you are coming again to set the world to rights. And we trust that you are present with us now by your Holy spirit, Jesus. Will you teach us how to try tears? Would you teach us how to pray with the Holy spirit beyond words with groans? God, would you help us to live in a groaning world and in a, in the groaning that we experience in our own selves? That we would lean into you and experience the groaning of the spirit, the tears of the spirit. That we begin to see maybe just a little of the redemption that you have for us. Amen.